Hi and welcome to Allies of Convenience, the international competitive Warhammer 40,000 podcast. I'm your host, Logan. Uh, we are back after a bit of a delay. Um, sorry about that, but uh, the UK unfortunately grinds to a halt when any snow falls uh, and I've been without internet uh, for the last four days. But thankfully now we're able to drop this, the first part of our GW40K Grand Tournament Heat 3 coverage, the third and final heat uh, as we approach the Grand Finals uh, and we truck on through the competitive season uh, which is underway, well underway now uh, in 2018. And we start off with Matt Robertson speaking to that overall winner Richard Guatkin. Uh, Richard is a player who's recently got fully involved uh, with the competitive 40k scene. Uh, originally from Australia, he's relocated to the UK um, and rediscovered competitive Warhammer 40,000 uh, through the London community. Of course, we've got the London GT coming up in a couple of months. Uh, he has represented Australia, his native Australia, uh, at the ETC. Uh, and uh, he's making a consistent effort now to get involved in the competitive 40k circuit. So hopefully you'll see him at a lot more events, but we're going to give you the full insight on his list. He was running Chaos uh, at the GT Heat 3. And uh, without any further ado, let's hand it over to Robbo. Here you go. Hi guys, Matt here from Allies of Convenience. This week we're going to be covering the Games Workshop 40k Grand Tournament Heat 3. Uh, I've got a special guest this week of Richard Watkin. Hello. So this is recording about a week after the event, and you were we're going to spoil the whole event for everybody now. Uh, <laughs> well done on getting first place at the event. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, a lot of people may not know you because you're not too much of a regular on the UK tournament scene. So do you want to just introduce yourself, so everyone, a little bit about your hobby and yeah, you sure. here, basically. Um, so I've been. I started Warhammer 40k, you know, back when I was a teenager, you know, dropped out of it for a while, sort of dipped back in here and there, and then about a year and a half ago, I got back into the hobby. Um, I've been to some tournaments, but I don't sort of make it up to the Element Games ones, so I don't sort of see most of, like, the EDC guys and all that, but uh, I play a lot at the London Wargaming Guild, um, obviously down in London and Covent Garden, um, part of the competitive team for that. And this year, I sort of made it my mission to be more competitive, and I've gone to the Last Chance Open recently, and now obviously um, Heat 3 did pretty well at both, only losing one game between them, so it seems to be going well. And am I right in saying you're also on the Australian ETC team for this year? Uh, yes, that is correct. I was lucky enough to be selected for that. Um, I had some decent results from last year's London GT, and it helps that I'm already over here, so... Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's one of the issues the Aussies normally have, isn't it, of getting people who can afford the Yeah, getting people over here, so it's, it's a little bit easier for me to sort of jump over to Croatia them, for them to sort of fly all the way over. Did, were you originally from uh, Down Under then? Did you play a lot of events Yeah, there? yeah, so I'm originally from Perth and then Melbourne, and then came over to London about two and a half years ago. Were you quite into the competitive scene over there as well, or have you just kind of picked um, it up over here? No, it's more picked it up over here, really. Uh, what do you think that's from? Is that more just because you've got a lot of events easier to get to over here compared to over there? It's just timing of when I had the time to actually get back into Warhammer. I just happened to be in London. 
that's a nice and convenient, a lot of things going on around you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. So, um, you played Chaos at this, am I right? Yes. So I had a, a mixed Chaos list. Um, so I was running uh, two battalions and a super heavy auxiliary. I had big old Mortarian in the super heavy auxiliary, and then I had two um, battalions of uh, Chaos Space Marines. So one Alpha Legion, one World Eaters. The Alpha Legion one had a Demon Prince, with the wings and two malefic talons, a sorcerer of the jump pack and a four sword, a big unit of 40 cultists, two units of 10 cultists, uh, two units of obliterators, and then in the world eaters I had um, a dark apostle, an exalted champion with a power sword, then a unit of eight berserkers and two units of five berserkers, all in rhinos, um, and they obviously have the chain axe and chain sword combo. So a nice push forward threat and uh, look yeah, like yeah. a shoot. So quite a nice balance list in I know you mentioned quickly before we start recording, but you've only just uh, started playing with Chaos? Yeah, yeah. So all throughout 7th edition, I played with Ravenwing, just because I liked the army. They were fairly competitive, but they weren't really top tier. But I, I mean, I managed to do pretty well with them at last year's London GT, but I sort of, going coming to this year, I wanted to be a little bit more competitive, like I said. So I kind of bounced around different armies at the beginning of 8th edition, you know, played around with some Gilliman stuff, with some Grey Knights, even with Death Watch when it first came out, but, you know, quickly realised that wasn't the way to go. Um, yeah, just, and some Guard, and played around with everything. But the way that the meta was going, I had essentially a choice of, you know, do I buy three or four Fire Raptors for Gilliman and go with that list, or do I... Start something completely new. Go with the go with the chaos list that I was thinking about and build that up. And in the end, I decided to go with the chaos list. It's about the same amount of money anyway, with how expensive Fordrod is, and it was much more flexible, less likely to be nerfed, and was more suited to my style of play, which is fairly aggressive and lots of board control. That's nice, because I've found that was myself with Chaos quite a lot, that you can kind of do a lot of different styles with it, and you've got a lot of threats in the army. Had you played around with this quite a bit before setting them on the list, or did you kind of go... Yeah, I played around with lots of different lists. You know, you, you look online, you see what everyone else is running. Um, this list actually came... I, mean, I I can't, you know, take full credit for it. A lot of the list is based on a list I saw online uh, from Brad Chester, was running at the Michigan GT. It's very similar to that, um, but with the Demon Prince and slightly changing around the Berserkers and how that's done, just so I can sort of try to, you know, not have, like, um, cultists, and I don't have to have a, a spare unit of cultists in the back. Um, but it was a list that I really liked. I was playing around with something similar before I found that one, and, you know, looking at Nick Nanabadi's lists, obviously... Um, from Nova and all the Nova Invitational lists. Um, and yeah, just sort of trying to come up with something that I had all the units I wanted, had some really efficient units, had great board control, and could really get up in your face and do some damage. That's nice, because it's nice to see you've not just gone and gone, oh, I want that list, I'll take it, you've gone, right, I like that. It's not yeah. what you see in everywhere, it's a little bit of everything. I yeah, so it's it a little bit, of, little bit of everything. I really like the synergies in the list, um, because, you know, Mortarian, like, the list can work without Mortarian, but 
if Mortarion survives, then he makes the entire list better with the minus one toughness. Yeah. Do you find uh, in like your practice games leading up to the event, without spoiling too much of the event games, that yep. Mortarion either sucks up all the firepower or just dies turn one and there's quite a lot of points wasted? Well, that's kind of the secret source of the list, is that Mortar- everyone shoots at Mortarion. I, I never, ever plan on him surviving, which is, like, everyone knows he's a big threat. You need to deal with them, which is why he's much better than Magnus in this list, because he gets in your face. So every, what happens in most games is everyone shoots Mortarion. They usually kill him in one to two turns. If they kill him a little bit too quickly, I'm in trouble. Um, but usually it takes sort of one to two turns for him to die, and then my Berserkers get into your line and win me the game. Along with, like, Colsists and then Obliterators dropping down on objectives and shooting things, and that's sort of how the how the list works, is Mortarion isn't supposed to live. So he's your big distraction piece. Exactly. Nice. So that's a little bit of background on you, a bit on the list. Uh, going into the event, what were your expectations? Uh, all I wanted to do was qualify. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I've definitely done that. Um, but this was just, you know... I, I know the list. I'd played it before the last chance open um, up in Southport at War Games, and I did fairly well with it. Uh, it definitely has some weaknesses in there. Um, so all I wanted to do was, you know, play five great games of Warhammer, qualify if I could, which you know I thought I had a good chance of qualifying, and obviously that was true. Um, and yeah, that's all I wanted to do. So all throughout the weekend, I was telling my friends, you know, like, oh, it's like you know. Got two games, one more to go, and then, you know, I'll probably qualify, or, you know, oh, I've got three games, I can just relax, that sort of thing, and then just manage to go the whole distance. Yeah, I guess at that point it's like, oh, cool, I've qualified now. Oh, I've won four games. Oh, wait, I could win this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty much exactly that. Uh, Did you make any slight tweaks? Because, like you say, neither events you've been to have been ITC or ETC-style missions. Would this just be an eternal war? Did that factor into any thoughts? Yeah, yeah. So I played a couple of practice games, not that many, um, with my list beforehand just adapting to the Eternal War missions. And I did make a couple of changes. Um, Before I had the Exalted Champion with the Power Sword as my ward to get the extra attack, so he could potentially take out a character with a Murder Sword. Yeah. Um, But I found that was a little bit too situational, and it gave away Warlord too easily. So what I did instead was I made the Demon Prince my Warlord and gave him the Intoxicating Elixir, which is something that I'd, you know, tested out before and quite liked, and it, you know, gives him a little bit of damage boost, especially against tanks or something like that. Um, and then the I Am Alpharius Warlord trait means that I don't give up Warlord that easily, because the Sorcerer usually survives. Yeah, so, so little, little tweaks, kind of, to... Yeah, it was just a little tweak to make sure that... Um, Warlord wasn't given up too easily because that could be a big, big swing point when you know you're if you're even on objectives and you know one person has Warlord and one doesn't, or there's first blood in the mix, or you know you pro- both probably got Linebreaker. It was just that little edge that means that you know if it came down to a really tight game, I would have that little edge where they might not have Warlord. Yeah, I know I had a similar thought going into the event. It's like, do I make this uh, Nurgle tree my Warlord just in case? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. People were talking about that online. Yeah, decided. Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe not the official event. <laughs> uh, so, going into it, what was your Game 1 opponent? Okay, so Game 1, I played Paul, who was a lovely, lovely guy. This was one of my favourite games of the weekend, and he was playing Ravenwing, who, ah. you know, 
I think I played this guy later on in the event. Yeah, yeah, he he was a great guy. Um, Had a pretty decent list, um, but wasn't fully optimized. He had the big unit of Black Knights, obviously. Um, He had Samuel, he had a Talon Master, he had three of the Dark Talons, uh, which, you know, is kind of to be expected. They're one of the best units in Dark Angels Codex at the moment. Um, Then he had a couple of units of Scouts to screen, um, and then he just had a couple of units of, of bikes as well. And just like the regular ones, like Melts and Flamers, which wasn't the most optimal choice. And we talked about that afterwards, but they, they still sort of did stuff for him, like capturing objectives here and there if he needed them. But in this game, um, I managed to get first turn. Uh, my army really works well if I get first turn. And this could be kind of become a bit of a theme is if I got first turn, I can do a lot of damage. So I got first turn. Uh, warp-timed Mortarian up. He didn't have any denies, so I didn't have to worry about that, but I often keep my Demon Prince outside of warp time, uh, outside of deny range, so he can always cast warp-time. Yeah, but Mortarian... Six, seven Mortarian, inch extra range, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's... It's it's so, so big. If I... Because you can use a, a stratagem to swap a power out on Mortarian and take warp-time on him, if you've got a Chaos Space Marine attachment, but... Mortarian always flies into deny range, so you're just playing with fire there. And plus, then I can warp time the Demon Prince turn two, um, so it's just much, much better on the Demon Prince. So anyway, Mortarian goes straight up through the lines. Uh, I get a small unit of Berserkers out to deal with some scouts. My Coldest steals some other scouts, and uh, Demon Prince steals the last unit of scouts, so all the scouts are gone. Mortarian's gone th- straight over and the scouts, and he had an unfortunately... Unfortunately for him, had deployed his uh, Black Knights too far forward, so Mortarian got a charge on them and managed to wipe out the entire unit of nine bikers. That's pretty nice amount of damage there. Yeah. So that was sort of his big mistake, um, because if he could, you know, then counter punch with the big unit of Black Knights, if he left them further back, and we discussed this post game, and he then, you know, learned from that and played them much differently the rest of the weekend and did much better with them. Um, but essentially, that all the scouts and the black knights were gone. Turn one, second turn, he sort of just tried to sort of castle up and try to get rid of Motarian and a couple other things. Motarian ended up still surviving, just because he's he is really tough, especially the, now that the um the black knights were gone. So then turn two, he had put all his planes into hover mode. So I just you know dropped some blitz down, shot two of them off the board, charged the other one with Motarian cleaned up the bikes with Berserkers, and he was just left with two characters, um, which then I wiped off the board in the next turn. So, a very quick game one, then. Yeah, a quick game one, but he was a great opponent. We had a a really, really great time, um, but it was just a little bit brutal for him. Yes, it seems like, do you reckon that list played a a little bit more defensively, like if he'd set those Black Knights back and not have the scouts as far forwards, give you easy charges, could have been a lot more trouble for you? Um, maybe. It would have been interesting to see. Because Black Knights definitely could be could be really devastating if they go right. But the problem is that they're very fragile. And I mean, I used to play Ravenwing all last edition, and I've got a Ravenwing army, and I've tried them out in 8th edition, but they... The Black Knights just are really fragile. Even when you've got a Dark Shroud, as he did, to give him minus one to hit, 
doesn't matter in combat because it's only against shooting, so my Berserkers would still go straight through them. And his Dark Talons, you know, they can be really good, but he sort of kept them back rather than maybe going forward to thread my objectives to, to sort of split my forces up or something like that. Um, so he just sort of stayed in that castle and it was easy for me to bring the fight to him, I guess. Yeah, that's fair enough. So uh, then we had a nice long break going into game two. With it, did you get a chance to have a walk around in any armies that caught your eye as worrying at that point? Um, yeah, I had a sort of a quick look around. Uh, actually, I did see someone was running the plasma plasma obliterator Yunari list, um, which I've I've faced a friend who runs that same list before, and that's been one of my toughest games at the last chance open because we managed to be paired up round one. And I know versing that list, um, well, Eldar and Yunari are probably my worst matchup. Um, I have been that list. But it was a close game, so it's it's always a tough matchup for me against Yunari. So looking around, there was a fair amount of Yunari, a fair amount of Reapers, so I was, you know, worried about running into them at some point. Um, but otherwise it was, you know, just loads of great armies, just loved seeing them all. There were some really, really nice painted ones and converted ones. So it was just it was just fun time and just looking around at all the different armies. Yes, it's just the elder that worried you really. Yeah, I I mean, there's definitely some other armies that worry me, but Elder probably worry me the most. I, I haven't versed like a really good Tyranids list yet, so I'm not sure quite how I match up against them yet. But like Hive Tyrants are really, really strong. So if I went up against like a Hive Tyrant spam list, then maybe I can be in some trouble. But Berserks have a ton of attacks, so that's sort of one I'll have to play out and see how it goes. Yeah, that sounds good. So I'm going to guess you have managed to avoid those for round two. Yep, so round two, I was up against uh, James with an Astra Militarum army. Um, it was all Cadian, so this is another army that I sort of looked at on paper and went, okay, this this has the tools to sort of deal with me, because he had all Cadian, so he can use the Vengeance for Cadian strategy, stratagem. Uh, he had the Relic of Lost Cadia as well, so he can get all those real hits and real wounds. Uh, we agreed beforehand that it was just a, uh, a once-off um Ability, but there are some people who play it every single turn that they can reveal it. Yeah, I don't know how that's not been FAQ properly. Yeah, it needs really needs to be addressed. Um, but this one was also probably one of my worst missions as well because it was roving patrol, which is the one where you split up your army into three parts and then only one of them comes in. Oh, I think everybody hated this mission. Everyone, at, like, I, I spoke to, I think, one or two people that liked it, but every single other person really did not like it. I think it's an amazing mission, but it's not a match play mission. Exactly, yeah. It's It would be great fun in a narrative game, absolutely. But in match play, it just... I mean, maybe it just screws with people's plans too much. Um, but it just doesn't feel quite right, because then you've got the sort of old-style reserves where things come in at random. I mean, it's only for two turns, but still sort of doesn't feel quite right. Yeah, I like so. that it messes with people, so like you can't just have your guard gun line or Eldar gun yeah, line, yeah, whatever, yeah. but I think it's just a little bit too messy to work properly. Yeah, so this one was um, tough for me because it really limited my mobility because when things come on, they come on and they deploy in your, in your um, deployment zone. So that means I don't get that 
sort of first turn move to sort of push up the board and take board control. And, you know, that's what my army is starting to do is push up the board, take board control. I'm covering everything. I've got threats everywhere. But in this game, it just sort of had to stay in my deployment zone, which was not great because my army gets in your face, like I said. So that one is a little bit trickier to play. Um, I took second turn rather than first turn because I, was, I had a big line of sight blocker in my um, in my deployment zone, so I was able to hide everything behind that, avoid giving up first blood. Uh, and then I used my cultists. Um, the big unit of cultists had deployed, I think, first or second turn. And they sort of then, you know, jumped up the board with Tide of Traders, got first blood, got behind his lines, took out some primary psychers and dealt with some infantry. Um, oh, he had uh, a couple of hellhounds, uh, a big bane blade, uh, a couple of Levin Russes, and some infantry, and a couple of other things, which I can't remember, maybe some artillery. So his bane blade didn't come on until sort of end of turn two, and my, and Mortarian didn't come on until end of turn two. But the idea was to sort of, you know, not have his Bane Blade just come on and completely wipe out Mortarian. So I was kind of happy that Mortarian came on later because then my Demon Prince was already on and I could warp time up. And then after my cultists had charged and locked up some, um, some Leon Russes, he moved them forward into charge range of Mortarian. So I managed to lock up all his Leon Russes. I think like turn two, turn one or turn two or something like that. Um, and then they, they never got to shoot the entire game. I just kept on locking them up. Um, I surrounded one so the cultists couldn't be, couldn't be shot. Um, so he had to sort of, you know, charge a bane blade into them essentially to clear them out. Um, and then the obliterators dropped down on the middle objective, which was on a nice tower, which made them really hard for his tanks to get. So they just held that objective all game pretty much. Two small units of cultists were in the back holding my objective. And then my berserkers went forward and took his objective. So in the end, I didn't kill quite as much. I probably only killed about half his force, and he killed a little bit more of mine just because his bane blade was doing work. But I um, purposefully ignored his bane blade because Mortarian, because it, essentially it took down Mortarian a little bit too quickly, so I didn't really have the tools to deal with it anymore, and I wanted to deal with everything else so I could get on to his objective. So that's what happened. He had his bane blade and a bit of artillery and some outflanking sort of Hellhounds going up one flank to get Lion Breaker. But in the end, I was on all three objectives. So it ended up being 11 to 1. Um, so I was on all three objectives. I had First Blood, I had Lion Breaker. Uh, this is the only game where I didn't get Warlord because he was hiding behind some artillery and I just didn't have the mobility early, um, in the early game to sort of push forward and get him. Um, but otherwise, yeah, good game. I managed to kill the um, guy with the Relic of Lostcadia before he ever used it. But my God, was that Bane Blade doing some work? Yeah, I've kind of found with that game, like you're saying there, because you, it sets you back a turn at the start. So, like, like yeah, if you could get into him and push, hold him Sounds back. It, yeah. it stopped him getting up and getting a board presence really, because you were there before. He yeah, I would say he probably didn't have quite enough screening infantry, but it wasn't too bad for him because I didn't have that early game mobility. Did you find with that, you kind of, when you were splitting your army at the start of it, did you just think, right, I'm going to go a bit of an equal split, or did you just go, right, here's all my good stuff, here's a bad one? Yeah, I went for an equal split. So I put, um, like, Mortarian, uh, I can't remember exactly how I split it up, but I essentially put, like, a unit of 
berserkers in each attachment, then Mortari in another attachment, so I'd have something that I could push up the board if I needed to. Um, and then I sort of just split the rest. So there were sort of equal threats split throughout. I'm not sure if that's the best choice or not, but that's sort of what I did. Um, and it worked, it worked well enough. I find it all depends what you're playing, because if they've got the reach to get you turn one, then you could kind of go, right, okay, I need to split a bit. Or if you go, oh, they've not got much range fire, they're yeah. going to sit a turn back. I can risk yeah, having a rubbish one. Up against the gun lines, so he definitely had the reach to get me. Yeah, so you can't really risk having a poor attachment and just going, ah, crap, I'm just going to get table turn one. I'm a rest of my yeah. just doing nothing. But yeah. yeah. So another reasonably... Uh, not overly difficult once you managed to get that forward pressure in that game. Yeah, yeah, it was, once I managed to get up there, um, he was never really threatening the middle objective, and he sort of did a late game push for the, for my objective, with his, with his hellhounds, which has sort of just been driving around doing nothing all game, um, but he just didn't have the time to clear out the cultists. Cool. So, so I was going to say that puts you going forward to game three? Yep, into game three. Um, this is against another really great opponent. Um, all my opponents were really great over the weekend. Um, it was uh, Liam. He was running uh, Astra Militarum, sort of Imperial Soups. So he had uh, a lot of, like, uh, Basilisks and Manticores, surrounded by some infantry, a big unit of Bulgrins, uh, some Torox Primes, uh, like a unit of Rattlings, uh, some Assassins, and uh, an Inquisitor, and I think then some Scions as well. So a pretty good list. Um, lots of essentially, a friend of mine runs a similar list. It just hits you with artillery turn one, screens you out with the squads. You've got a you know a counter charge unit there with Borgrin, and then you know you've got the assassins and scions to give you mobility. Um, but again, in this game, I managed to get first turn, and my list is kind of designed to beat these lists into submission turn one, and that's kind of exactly what happened. Uh, we were playing Dominate and Destroy, which is kill points and progressive objectives. Um, he placed his objectives really well. He got, you know, essentially three in his deployment zone, cast up around them, and then I got first turn, and my cultists, you know, wiped out a couple of squads, then charged them in and wrapped up his tanks, and got onto his objectives, so I was scoring those, and he couldn't get rid of the cultists really easily. I guess because that kind of... Chance. Sorry to interrupt you there. I was going to say, I guess that yep. kind of suits you, having all the objectives on his side in a way, because you want to be going well, forward? Yeah, in late game it definitely does, but if, if I didn't get there and he managed to like kill the cultists too early and Mortarion too early, then that could really happen to me, because he would be then racking up those points every turn if I didn't get into his lines. Um, but in this case, I got that turn, I got into his lines... Um, and managed to lock up his Torox Primes, kill a fair amount of his infantry, Mortarian warp time around the other side, um, absolutely bossed the Bulgrins into the ground. They had, um, I dropped some obliterators down, they shot the Bulgrins, and that did absolutely nothing, so then I double shot and took out a Basilisk. But they had the four-up involves, which you could buff to a three-up in, in his shooting phase. But I had Blades of Putrefaction on Mortarion, and when he, I did his um, lots of attacks at 18 attacks, but when they explode on sixes, they turn into extra three attacks rather than extra one attack. And so Even more because it's Imperium. <laughs> exactly, and I managed to roll a lot of sixes 
and then any sixes to wounds from players of pure faction were mortal wounds, and then he's got his mortal wound spam bubble as well. So I think I ended up doing about 39 damage and 10 mortal wounds to this unit of six Borgren. So they just they vanish. Were, they were just completely wiped off the board. And, you know, that, that was one of his sort of star units that, you know, I I know they can do a lot of work if they're left untouched because he had the psychers to buff them up. But they just disappeared. Um, and then, you know, Altarian got into his lines as well. Uh, he then deep struck some Eversaws, took out some of my backline stuff, sitting on objectives, um, but didn't really, couldn't really do much more. He sort of, you know, took out maybe like half a Mortarian, but then Mortarian heroic intervention didn't, and took out another squad because he didn't quite leave enough, enough room. And because he had charged something on the other side of the board, I don't need to heroic intervention against something that has charged. So Mortarian just went straight back in during his turn and did more work. And then after that, I was way up on kill points, way up on progressive objectives. So at the top of turn two, I was poised to take out his all the stuff that was threatening his backline with, you know, you know, Berserkers and Demon Prince coming back. And then I was just going to destroy or lock up pretty much everything else that he has. So he probably would have been tabled in three. So we he um he conceded at the top of turn two. Okay, so very another very quick one. You just get did you find quite a few yeah. of the armies couldn't just get through you? Yeah, well, I think one of the big things is you've got Mortarian in your face, which you need to deal with. You've got cultists, which I like to lock up in combat so you just can't deal with them and they sit on your objectives, so you can't even score your objectives. And then my berserkers hadn't even hit yet either. Yeah, so you still had your second wave following up to... Still had my second wave, still had stuff to deal with, the stuff that he was dropping in in my backline... It was it was a fairly brutal game for him, unfortunately. So, but he took it really well. He was a really great opponent. So, loved to face him again. Did you find when you were throwing your cultist forward, a lot of people were kind of prepared for that, or did you find the first few games people weren't quite sure what to do with them? I actually found that people underestimated them because they're just cultists, and maybe because they haven't seen the cultist bomb really do a lot of work before. People did still underestimate them. A lot of people underestimated the cultists, and a lot of people underestimated the berserkers. Because on paper, they're not all that great, but once you buff them up with either characters, so, you know, goddamn Prince Daryl wants to hit, and once you, you know, double shoot with them, once you give them prescience with the, from the sorcerer, once you give them plus one to wound, and if, you know, Mortarians by giving a minus one toughness, you know, they turn from, you know, hitting on fours, wounding on fours, to hitting on threes, reeling ones, and wounding on twos. Yeah, I've used them myself and I absolutely love cultists. I think they're one of the best units in the book. They're so underrated by absolutely. some opponents. Absolutely. Did you have a... I know Saturday night at an event can either be a heavy one or a chill, a few drinks with mates. <laughs> I'm assuming yep. you went for a quiet one? <laughs> yeah, I had I had just had a pretty quiet one. Um, I knew a couple of people there, but sort of everyone was tired. A couple of people hung out in Bugman, so I just sort of went home and had a good night's sleep. I was pretty happy with the day, you know, I got three wins, that was most of the time that's enough to take you through to qualification, um, so I was pretty happy, so I just went home and prepared for the next day. Yeah, were you down with quite a few people? I know you mentioned your gaming group earlier, was there a few of you down from there? Yeah, or? no, I was actually the only one, 
I was the only one from my gaming group, but there was another guy who often comes to the club that I know pretty well. Um, and he was up there as well. And then there was a couple of other familiar faces from different tournaments. So I knew a couple of people, but it was mostly just sort of me and this one other guy. Yeah, so it's not too bad when there's only a few of you. It tends to be more of a chilled out one. Yeah, yeah. So going into game four the next morning? Uh, yep, so game four the next morning uh, was Dan from Warhammer TV. A great guy, great opponent. Uh, he had a really cool Imperial Soup army with them that I know he did really well with. Uh, it was essentially a character spam army with a uh, guard to fill out a brigade, so he's got lots of command points. Um, so he had uh, four of the new Custodes jet bikes, the shield captains, um, two of them with the relics to give them three up invulnerables. And then he had um, the Blood Angels, so two captains with Thunderhammers and Storm Shield and Mephiston. And then he had, you know, the regular sort of guard stuff, you know, mortars, um, sentinels and fast attack, you know, about 60 infantry, some primary, primary psychers, and then he had a couple of um, different assassins that he could deep strike in places. Um, I think he had essentially one of everything apart from the Vindicare. So a good mix. Um, so it was essentially character spam with some guard, and we were unfortunately playing the character mission, Ascension. So, you know, characters are sort of super scoring, and if you leave them on objectives, they score more points every turn. So, you know, if you leave them on there for two turns, they score two points, three turns, three points, etc., etc. You, have you played that kind of character style list before, so you knew how you were going to go into it, or was it a bit more learn on the go? Well, I haven't seen that many people run it locally, so, like, I knew they're definitely out there, I knew they're strong, and this was his best mission, so I knew going into this, this was going to be a tough matchup. So, again, uh, luckily managed to get first turn. Uh, Coltus went forward. He didn't push his Sentinels out too far, which is, might have been a, a bit of a mistake on his part, because it means then it meant that I then got my Coltists right into his lines. Uh, they took out about sort of 40, 50 infantry, so pretty much almost all his infantry turn one, um, and then charged the Sentinel, locked it up, and sort of just stayed in his deployment, sort of screening, blocking off. They didn't really do much for the rest of the game. They just sort of stayed there and then chained back to two objectives. Um, and then... Mortarion also warp timed up, uh, took out some stuff. Oh, he took out uh, a shield captain turn one. Um, he, he had the three up and vulnerable, but again, I had Blades of Putrefaction on, so I was doing tons of mortal wounds. I was doing just too much damage that it just got through his three up, his three up and vulnerable. So Mortarion was right in his lines. He then countered back really well, essentially dropped down, took out my back line with his assassins, uh, managed to get both my Demon Prince and my Sorcerer um, to sort of take out those characters so I can't score quite as easily, and then put characters on every single objective. So he played back really well, he knew what he was doing, got his characters onto objectives to sort of start scoring those points and start racking them up if I can't, you know, take them off. Which is is what I expected him to do. Um, so I had then my Berserkers in Rhinos right next to the objectives waiting to pop out to eat his characters. Which is essentially what I did next. So my big unit of eight Berserkers um, was buffed up by the characters. They took out two shield captains just on their own. They hopped out, charged one, ate it, then, you know, second wave of attacks, ate the other one. Even with three of pin bombs, you've just got that many attacks. They're mostly minus ones that don't 
like minus one AP so they don't care about your three of Invon. And they'll just like they just ripped through um the the custodes bike captains. It, it was a close thing though, it was only maybe one or two wounds over or just exactly killed him, killing them, so yeah. um and on the other flank my teams of five berserkers whiffed slightly. They left um a shield captain and a uh, um Thunderhammer um Blood Angels captain both on one wound. So I, I couldn't drop both of them. I want to drop at least one if not both of them, but unfortunately they were both still left alive in one wound, so then they essentially took out the berserkers in return. Um Mortarian came back, uh cleared up I think Mephiston and a company command objective. And then in my back line, uh, some obliterators dropped down and took out his warlord, and then in the subsequent turn started eating through his, his assassins. So then my rhinos came back and charged the assassins, so the assassins were then sort of essentially out of the game because they could never fall back and charge something. Yeah, so you just um, kind of, similar concept to the others, just get through, kill the key bits and try to block. Yeah, well, because after work. that, I was then sitting on the objectives with the characters instead, so he made the sort of the first play with the characters. But then I was on two out of three of the objectives of the character, so I was racking up those points faster than he was. So I left, you know, an exalted champion one, Mortarian just sat on the other one, sort of letting people come to him. And then my obliterators sort of cleared up the characters. Um, he had a sort of a last ditch effort of throwing um, all his characters at Mortarian to try to kill him. Uh, he left it like a shield captain just racking up points, but he, he had a, a blood angel captain that made a play for Mortarian. And, you know, if he got the charge off and it all worked out, he probably had a decent chance of killing Wataran because he was down to probably, you know, maybe like eight wounds at that point. But as it, as it happened, he charged in, got the charge, and then at the start of the fight phase is when I do the mortal wounds with Wataran. I rolled that four up. I rolled one single um, mortal wound, and he didn't save it with a six-up Fiona Pain from being a, a Death Company captain. So... The captain just died before he got to swing. So he, ch- he charged in and went for it, and you just went... Uh, he, he went for it, no. he went for play. It was, at that point, the play that he had to make, because um, otherwise I was just going to win on points. But it was it was probably my toughest game, my closest game. I think we ended up being... Um, I had 20 points to his 13. Uh, the game ended naturally at turn 5. If it went on another turn, I might have been able to table him, because all his characters were gone. It was just a couple of units of mortars and sentinels here and there. So that could have quite seems like quite a big difference, but like you're saying, you only just got in and just killed a couple of characters. Yeah, I mean it was, yeah, like the score was twenty to thirteen at the end of the game, but one turn before that, I was only up by one point. Yeah, so it could have been a lot closer, just a little bit of luck exactly. either way. And then for the final game, am I right in saying you were on the stream for anyone who wants to watch yes, this one back? Yes. So um, luckily enough, they. They wanted to put this on the stream, which is a great experience. Uh, I was up against Dan with his Nurgle army, so he had 90 plague barrels or thereabouts. Uh, he had the tree, he had some plague burst crawlers, you know, had some blight drones, really beautifully painted army, really nice opponent. Um, and it's been one that I'd sort of kept my eye on on the tournament because it was always sort of playing one table away from me. So it was one that I'd seen sort of taking out some some big names and some big armies and doing some, some work because no one could just get through those plague bearers. So in that game, it was a Scorched Earth, which is the one where you, you know, if uh, objectives are in your deployment zone, 
then they can be raised for D3 victory points. Um, this was another one which I got first turn, um, and we were discussing it afterwards, and that was sort of one of the big deciders of first turn, because if he had got first turn, he would have been able to sort of hog those middle objectives, middle line of objectives that we had set up. And, you know, then I would have had to really try to fight him off those objectives. It would have been a close game then, I think, and a good game then. But as it was, I managed to... I tried to... <laughs> I mean, I tried to help us strike him a little bit with my cultists and Mortarian. But they did whiff a bit. I took out maybe, like, ten Plague Bearers, and then a couple more died to morale, just because they're that tough. And this was after, you know, double-shooting cultists at them. Uh, I kept my obliterators in reserve so they could respond to any threats or drop them to objectives as need be because he had the indirect fire to deal with my backline cultists if he need to. Uh, Mortarian went up completely whiffed against Plague Bearers. I mean, first turn, Dan was just rolling five ups like no tomorrow. He was saving all all his wounds everywhere. No matter where I attack, he was rolling those five ups. Um, but that put a big threat in sort of into his left flank, my right flank, so he had to deal with that. Uh, his Plague Bearers then came over, you know, I screened him, pretty much screened him out of the mill objectives of my cultists, but he counterattacked with his Plague Bearers, uh, did what work he could. Um, I had put Delightful Agonies on my um, cultists, which really, really helped their survivability. I probably just kept that cultist blob in play the entire game, um, rather than just crumbling turn one. And then uh, he had the he put essentially all his buffs on a big unit of Plague Bearers that came in to take out Mortarian. You know, I managed to stop one of the Psychic Powers to give him plus one to wound. I didn't really expect Mortarian to be left around that much longer, or maybe that, you know, he would drop down, he might just survive. But as it was, it was one of those games where I just managed to pass a lot of saves for Mortarian. So after that massive, you know, you know, of 30 Plague Bearers charged in, everyone got to attack, they did one damage. Out of everything. Just one damage to Mortarian. One damage. After, you know, all those, you know, two damage attacks, with, you know, getting to threes and everything. The problem was they didn't have any AP, so I was still rolling three ups. And I managed to roll a lot of three ups. And I, use, I even used the command point on one of the three damage weapons because just because so I, well, he would survive. But in the end, he just tanked all those saves and was still there. So then my army does what it does best. Uh, Berserkers charge in, and my god, did they do work. Uh, this is sort of where I was hinging my tactic on because I, I knew that he had a lot of like minus and stuff. But the Berserkers, with, say, like, prescience on them, they can get through it. He he was a little bit further away from his tree, but, you know, Berserkers don't care about cover, because, you know, otherwise the, the Plague Bears has a floor-up save. Um, so the Berserkers just mowed through the Plague Bearers. They just absolutely ripped them to pieces. I think after my second turn, he had gone from, like, 90 Plague Bearers down to 15. So that was sort of my big, big play was to get rid of all his play barriers because that was his big obsec units that he just sits on objectives. Once they're gone, it's a much easier game. So that's what I did. Uh, I was sitting on all the objectives as well because I had the, um, <coughs> I had all the board control from the first turn. So I had already 
gone up a fair amount in points. Um, at that point, then, you know, he had his turn back. Um, oh, I also, um, warp timed a demon prince, the demon prince through to get Epidemius, which he did in then, um, the bottom of turn two. So that got me Warlord as well. And then he, he tried to fight back, but I had screened him out of the objectives really well, and the Berserkers were sort of still hanging ar- out around, and they were obsex, so they were still getting me the objectives, or at least denying him the objectives. So at the end of turn two, it was, I think, 12 to 3, with, like, if I if you count Linebreaker as well. So at that point, uh, we called it, because time was starting to run out, though we probably could have got a turn or two more in, and he just couldn't see a way forward where he would get over that big points difference. And I still had a, like, you know, obliterates to drop down. And it was sort of, that was kind of like the deciding turn of the game at that point. So yeah, so you were in a position where even though you were up and there was still time going, he was on an uphill struggle there and just, yeah, he, he would have really struggled to, to score points at that point. So we called it there. Uh, he was great, great opponent. One of my favorite games of, of, of the weekend, um, had a great army as well. It was just a really, really fun time on the stream. You know, you know, you forget about the cameras, you're just rolling different dice and you have to tell someone what you're doing because there's a guy with a laptop writing out what you're doing. Um, so they, they can commentate it on it. Um, but had a great time, great opponent. It was a great game. And those plague bearers were still really tough. Yeah, I found that playing against plague bearers recently as well. It's, surprisingly difficult. All you need is a little bit above average on those rolls, and they're just not going to go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. One thing we were, thing we were discussing post-game as well is that he didn't have a lot of command points. He spent them all on his plague banners. So mainly, he only really had four command points. Two to save for morale, and two to interrupt. And so it meant that he could never use the warp surge to get the four-up involved, which would have helped him a lot uh, against the Berserkers. Yeah, it's one of those lists where maybe if he saves the banners for certain matchups and things, I think it's worth saying at the event you had to declare stuff like that pre-list, didn't you? Yeah, at the event you have to declare stuff like that, so unfortunately he couldn't sort of pick and choose when he could use them, so he just picked all of them, um, so he could have that sort of offensive power, because he he was saying that he didn't really kill that many, much of his opponents, like when you tally up the victory points destroyed. He just essentially sat on objectives most of his games and just won that way. Yeah, it's, I think it's kind of the way a lot of armies can go these days, unless you've got a lot of shooting and firepower. Then see the mm. combat armies, you push something in the face, similar to yours, where you're getting in the face, getting the board control, and having the bodies to back it up with. Yeah, 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 definitely. My like, I Berserkers are probably one of my favourite units to play at the moment. Just because they're so fun, and they do an s- insane amount of damage. But they are also really fragile, so you have to play them really precise, really well. You know, in that last game, I'd pile in you know, unit circus to wipe out one unit of Plague Bearers, and then I'd stay more than one inch away so his other Plague Bearers couldn't interrupt, and then pile into them, and then do the damage to the other second unit of Plague Bearers. So you have to play them like that, sort of on the knife edge, they're very vulnerable to being interrupted. They're very vulnerable to, you know, if the rhinos are popped, which is why Mortarion is in the list, because everyone shoots at him and not the rhinos. Um, but when they do hit, they do a lot of work. So that kind of covers five games. Uh, yep. 
I think you were the only one at the event with five wins at the end of it. Yeah, so I think it was in game four, the two tables below us managed to get draws. So that meant that going into the final game, me and Dan were the only undefeated players. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that whoever wins wins the entire tournament because uh, it's the heats, they, um, they have a lot of soft scores as well. Not really enough to change rankings that much. But, you know, if there's sort of an outlier where someone gets all their favorite game votes and all their favorite army votes and, you know, or someone doesn't get any of those votes, then they can overtake people and jump up in the rankings. Yes, that could be a big so, swing at the end of it. Yeah, so realistically, I need to get a couple of favorite game votes or favorite army votes um, and for the people below, maybe not to get like an insane amount of them. Um and I knew there was a couple of people on draws, so it'd be a couple of people on like draws and four wins, so the gap was a bit smaller. So I just need to get a couple of those votes, and I should be fine. Um, I managed to get two favorite game votes and one favorite army vote. Um, so that essentially pushed me over the line, and I managed to take the title. Right, well, congratulations on that again. I Thank you very much. Forward, so you planning on changing the list at all for the next event you're at, whichever that is? Uh, yeah, so I might be do- doing like team events soon, and after that, the next sort of big events will probably be the the final, and then um, London GT sort of the week weekend after. And for the final, you know, I don't have to change my list, but I, I probably will just because I know I am weak to Eldar, and I was just lucky enough not to run into them at this this tournament. But I don't ex- exactly expect that luck to hold. Um, you play five Eldar so, next matchup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's so like I I know I can beat them with this list, but it is it's a much harder matchup, and I need to go first. Like the I mean the the game I plans played against my my friend, he had the plasma obliterators and you know twenty odd reapers and you know two units of shining spears. It's a nasty nasty list, and I managed to win by one point in that game, and only because I went first. So going second against that list is super, super hard uphill struggle. So I'm sort of playing around with some different ideas to sort of try to think of how to do that. You know, maybe also trying to shore up my pack line a bit, which is at the moment a little bit weak. Um, so I'm looking at a couple of different things, maybe some noise marines, maybe some zangers. Um, but it's sort of just trying to fit everything in and make it work within detachments. Um, and then obviously at London GT and a lot of the ETC style events, you can't duplicate battalions, so I'd have to change things for that as well. Cool. So, uh, best of luck for you going forward at those events. I'm sure we'll see you around the tournament scene a little bit more often. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll eventually get up to um, up to Elder Games and do some, some tournaments there, but I just haven't been able to make that, that much just because I, I'm down in London. Ah, well, thanks very much for spending your time and coming and chat with us. It's been a pleasure hosting, and I'm sure we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thanks. Bye.